the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. <clears throat> the story of the miraculous catch of fish in today's gospel follows a New Testament pattern. The word of God is proclaimed, and then the power of God is demonstrated by what are sometimes referred to as signs and wonders. The activity of the Spirit bears witness to the truth of God's word. In the gospel, Jesus taught the word. Then he demonstrated God's power in the catch of fish. The miracle required faith and obedience from Peter. Peter and his partners had fished all night. They had cleansed the nets and they were ready to rest. If you've ever worked a hard day of labor, put away all the tools and cleaned the job site, the last thing you want to hear from the boss is the command, hey, pull it all out again, let's go back to work. There was probably, therefore, some irritation in Peter's voice. Master, we've worked all night and caught nothing, but you're the boss. One suspects there was also something about faith in the teaching that Jesus had just given. Thus, irritation and reluctance met the call to faith and obedience. Having faith and obedience are required to reverse the pattern of the fall. Adam and Eve disbelieved and disobeyed, and their unfaithfulness destroyed the harmony of the creation. In the beginning, God's spirit created the world in accordance to the instructions given by God's word. And God saw that it was good. Adam and Eve were the first creatures to hear God's word and say, no, we won't do that. The result was not good. The beauty and order of the creation regressed into ugliness and chaos. The new creation reverses this pattern. Peter's all-night labor represents the futility of fallen human life. His words, Master, we have toiled all the night and taken nothing, hearken back to Genesis 3, where God told Adam, Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. Peter's obedience is a movement into the new creation. The statement, nevertheless, at your word I will let down the net, represents the faith and obedience that saves us. When we hear the word of God and do it, the spirit comes to make our labor fruitful. The work of new creation begins in us. Beauty and order emerge from the chaos of our lives apart from God and apart from Christ. Things are good again. As St. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 
How is our labor fruitful? We would, of course, love a continual supply of miraculous catches. Oh, to be a fisherman who could always drop the net in just the right place. But the miraculous catch is not the point of the story. On two occasions, Peter fished at the command of Jesus and caught a literal boatload of fish. On both occasions, Peter immediately quit fishing. The manifestation of God's power in our lives is meant to point to Jesus and the kingdom of God. It's a common mistake to get it backwards. We try to harness the power of God to work for our human ends. A contemporary and consumer approach to this miracle would lead Peter to say, Jesus, this is great. What time do, should we go fishing tomorrow? And we're going to need to buy a bigger production facility. In fact, the miracle caused Peter to become unconcerned about fish and fishing. He saw the one to whom the fish pointed, Christ, the word made flesh. There is an interesting relationship in the Bible between faith and miracles. The Bible proclaims the power of God to heal people and to save people from various forms of captivity. Yet, the same Bible proclaims that in this life, not all diseases are healed and not all captives are set free. Peter witnessed two miraculous catches and performed many miracles, but he was also told that his enduring faith would cause him to be taken to a place where he did not want to go and from which he would not be released. St. Paul saw Jesus on the Damascus Road. He performed signs and wonders in his ministry. Yet St. Paul also received a thorn in the flesh to humble him, an affliction that God would not take away, though St. Paul prayed for him to take it away. And both Peter and Paul died as martyrs. A reasoned reflection on the work of the Holy Spirit reveals a pattern. Obvious and visible miracles tend to accompany the initial preaching of the gospel. The miracle validates the preaching. As we mature, God wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. God continues to answer our prayers to be sure, and God continually gives us thousands of graces. However, the demand for continuous and visible miracles represents an infant faith that refuses to grow to maturity. As we grow, Jesus calls us to pick up our cross and follow him. And a further clarification is needed about miracles. For what is a miracle? St. Augustine observed that the greatest miracle is God's daily ordering of the universe. The modern West is accustomed to talking about the laws of nature. The Bible knows nothing about these impersonal laws. The Bible teaches us that God created all things by his word. And as Hebrews 1.3 says, 
he upholds all things by the word of his power. If God chooses to uphold things in patterned ways, this is a reflection of God's being and character. If God wants to intervene to shorten a day, part a sea, calm the waves, give pointers on fishing, make wine, remove a disease, or raise the dead, that is his prerogative always. The new creation by God's word and spirit operates on a new pattern. The old creation is epitomized by disordered desire, futile labor, and death. The new creation is epitomized by faith, purified desire, fruitful labor, and life. As St. John writes, the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. The greatest miracle in human history is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a miracle, but it is also, or can also be understood as a kind of natural process. When God, who cannot die, encountered death, death was necessarily and naturally conquered. We participate in this great miracle through baptism and faith. The greatest manifestation of God's power in our lives is not physical healing or miraculous provision, though we praise God for these things. The greatest miracle is continually taking place within us. Eternal life is growing within us. It will come to its full flower on the day of resurrection. As 1 Corinthians says, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. God's power is revealed in the way that God gradually and continually is changing us into the image of Christ. As 2 Corinthians says, therefore we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. The great miracle of our lives is the way that God uses every circumstance of life, even the bad things, to further our growth in faith and holiness. As Romans says, all things work together for good for those who love God, and are the called according to his purpose. No matter what happens in this world, God's work will continue in us until that day. That is the great miracle that demonstrates God's power in our lives. We take up our cross and follow Jesus because we are traveling to the resurrection. Cross-bearing is not about suffering. Cross-bearing is about the miracle of new creation that is taking place within us. Our role in that miracle is to continually respond to God's word with faith and obedience, especially when we are tired and irritated by the demands of God's word. 
Master, we have toiled all night and taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.